And I think that that's, that's the tension of our faith, right? Is we've got a lot of beliefs, but it needs to be embodied. Um, and I, this generation is saying, we want to see the embodied, embodied Jesus. And I think, hey, that sounds like a pretty good thing to desire for us. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Welcome to back to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host today, Ron Huntley. Sometimes it's my son, sometimes it's me. He's better looking, but hopefully I'm wiser. I don't know. More gray hair nonetheless. With me today from Alpha Canada is Tim Gonsalves. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Ron. Wonderful. Listen, I understand that uh, you have a big job with Alpha, but you have a bigger job at home with three young girls. Congratulations on that. Yes, thanks. Thanks so much. Seven-month-old uh, running around keeping you honest. Yeah, exactly. One pays better than the other, but, you know, <laughs> we'll take it. That's awesome. Being a dad's the best job of all. But your role with Alpha is. Canada is the uh, National Director for Youth and Campus Ministry, eh? Yes. Yeah. It's such a privilege been there for almost seven years and uh, it's been a joy. I love that. I, I love the work that you guys are doing as a ministry. It's always, always so exciting to me, but you know, I want to talk to you today about maybe your hopes. Like here we are right now, as we record this, we're in August getting ready for a new ministry year, yeah. at least in North America and Australia. Now they start in February. Wow. For, I know. Like what? <laughs> but not in Canada. In Canada, things get rolling in, in September. And it's a whole new ministry year. People head back to school, back to universities and decide where they're going to place their time, how they're going to go, mm. how they're going to invest. You know, what are your hopes for this year as it relates to your role with young people? Yeah. You know, as we hopefully kind of turn the corner out of this pandemic, um, my hope is for the church to, um, you know, one, to kind of take the learnings that we've seen over these last couple of years, um, to see the, the some of the challenge that we've, challenges that we've gone through, to take those learnings. And, and specifically, I think the realization that God still got it, you know, that we have hope in Christ, um, that when the pandemic hit, um, the church didn't dissolve, it didn't go away, um, that, that he's still on the throne, you know, and so as we head into the fall, you know, my hope is let's be really clear of who's, who's running this show, and, uh, and that's the Lord himself, and so um, I definitely believe in a hopeful future for the church in, in North America and obviously around the world, and then secondly, my hope is is that the church would continue to see what it looks like to partner with the next generation to equip them and help them get in the game. Uh, I think we're, we saw a lot of great stuff over the, over the pandemic um, where students had to step outside of their comfort zone. They had to look at things differently. And now we're in this, in this stage where I think everybody gets to play. Everybody needs to play. Um, it's no longer on just the top people in the church, the ministry leaders, you know, we really believe in the priesthood of all believers. Um, and that even that includes young people, that includes students. And so my hope for this fall is that we would see continue to see a movement of young people getting in the game, getting involved in kingdom initiatives all across the country. I love that. I love your hope. Like what I'm hearing is great hope in you. And in my work in the Catholic context in different parts of the world, 
not a lot of young people. Mm. And I don't know that that reaching out to young people is necessarily it's it's our passion. We love it. We just don't know how to do sure. it. And mm. I, I remember even at St. Benedict Parish as we were launching Alpha and running Alpha after Alpha, inviting young people. When a, when a young person would actually show up, he'd be like, "Oh my gosh, what yeah. are we doing?" Who's going to be in that table? Who are we going to put around Get them, like, get them. <laughs> or worse yet, don't scare them off. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's it's tricky. But, but you know, you talk about this next generation and hope and, and partnering. How, what does that look like? And, and not necessarily in the Catholic context, but just in general. Like, mm. what, are, what trends are you seeing? Because mm-hmm. I, I have to be honest, I don't fully understand I would be one of those crusty old Catholics who, mm. although I desire for young people to come, I just, I don't know if I'm the guy. Mm. I don't know even how to mobilize it really. Mm. So talk to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, let me encourage you, Ron. You know, I, I don't think there's, I think there's some people that are maybe more inclined to it, but I, I actually think there's a, there's something deep inside of us that actually has a lot of resonance with the next generation. And that is that the next generation really believes in whether they know it or not, seeing the things of the kingdom come into reality on earth, just as it is in heaven. And so what I mean by that is you'll see a lot of students really passionate about things like social justice, equity, the environments. And as a longtime follower of Jesus, we think that those things are so important. You know, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom reality, we we know that this is what we're praying for. This is what we're hoping for. And what we see, I think, uh, and maybe it's a gift from the Lord, is there's a deep-seated desire in the next generation to see those things come into fruition. Now, the tension is, is that they don't quite call it the kingdom of heaven. They, uh, they probably wouldn't even, they probably wouldn't even reference it as a Christian value set. Sure. And so what I encourage our, our generation and older is to uh, is to not stifle their passions, but help them see that Jesus was the front runner for those very same causes. You know, Jesus preached a ministry that was for the poor, for the marginalized, for the outcast, those that were not in. And he preached a message about bringing the kingdom of heaven onto earth. And so if we can find a way to tap into the things that they are passionate about, which I think are kingdom realities, and point them to the king of those realities, I think we'll begin to actually partner with them in a really significant way. And so I see it all the time where uh, older generation um, Christians are able to say, hey, I see that in you. I see your love for the poor and the marginalized. I know somebody that that really championed that. His name is Jesus. Let, let's talk about that. And so meeting them with their passion, meeting them with our historic faith, I think those are great crossroads to really connect in uh, as a great starting point. The other, the other thing I would encourage us around the next generation is to be um, – champions of them um you know some of our greatest stories uh when it comes to alpha are when there's been students that have taken up the courage to run alpha for their friends and an older adult slips them a hundred bucks or says i'm gonna pray for you every week um how can i support you and champion you in that they're gonna be bumpy along the the way they're gonna make mistakes they're gonna say some crazy things they're gonna probably play some music that we're not too fond of but how do we champion them in the area of mission and evangelism i think is so so significant that's beautiful when when i look at and and i guess the role that alpha can play in that 
you know, I often find, and, I, and I'm not so sure it's just me, but you know, people that don't look the same as I am, aren't the same age I am, mm. don't wear the same clothes I do. I kind of, sometimes I'm not sure how to relate to them or if I even mm. relate to them. But what I find with Alpha is when I sit down at the table, week one, I wonder, oh, am I even going to get on with these guys? Week mm. three, I'm thinking to myself, I really like these guys. Yeah. Week, week seven, I start hyperventilating because Alpha's <laughs> going to be over soon. And I love these guys. And I yeah. I have an excuse to be totally. best friends with them. It happens every single time. Yep. Yep. Uh, I love that. Ron, I think that you tapped onto something that is, it's actually even connected to your previous, previous question. And I think if we can help people realize that, that we need to be interested and not interesting, I think really goes a long way. And so for the older generation and young people, or even people that you don't quite know and don't affiliate with as much, showing interest in their life versus trying to be appealing or interesting to them that's never gonna that's never gonna fly and, and not gonna last the most sustainable thing is being interested in somebody and that's what we see on alpha that's what happens is listening being interested being open and uh that really draws people close i love that and what are you seeing in terms of how alpha is being utilized well uh with the youth series and or mm -hmm. on campuses like paint me a picture of that yeah a few real stories of, of hope. Um, one is we're seeing it as a great tool to, to mobilize young people in areas of mission and evangelism, not just for that time on Alpha, but actually for a lifelong journey of mission. We've got a lot of great stories. It actually kind of came to the surface last year. We realized that we had over 400 university Alphas running that were kind of like hidden that we had, we didn't really, we weren't tracking the story. And all of a sudden we ran a random report and this was 2021 and we re-released re the youth series in 2017 and we really realized that over the last few years, we've been cultivating a sense of mission in young people while they've been in high school. And as they've transferred into university, that desire continued to go. And so all these university alphas, I would argue, are um, largely due to the fact that there was youth groups and youth ministries that said, we're going to equip students to run alpha for their first friends. And then we created kind of lifelong missionaries who then entered university and wanted to engage in similar conversations. So that's been really, really encouraging. The other piece that's been really awesome for us is it's also built other missional initiatives coming out of it. So we've got a story in Calgary, a bunch of high school students ran alpha for their friends and they just said, this was amazing. We want to continue to do something similar. And they started these amazing clubs called agape clubs. And basically they represent, they're trying to represent the love of Christ to their school in a variety of ways, starting nonprofits, profits, social justice issues, cleaning up garbage in their high school. And all of that kind of precipitated from them tasting mission through alpha and it launched them into a lifelong, uh, you know, role of mission and uh, i think that's been really really exciting to watch <laughs> that is exciting when when the holy spirit gets a hold of us and starts to move us in ways that we realize that we have that freedom we have that flexibility we don't need yeah. to be a part of anything specific in order to take action to bring love into the world that's just mm. beautiful. wow you, know, you talk about that that kind of progression of youth groups and alphas being run and and that kind of taking on a life of its own. I remember at St. Benedict Parish, 
you know, when we first started, that's in Halifax, Nova Scotia, for our listeners. When we first started, everybody had hair the same color as mine, right? There's this blue hair. <laughs> and I used to have dark hair, believe it or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and more of it. Oh, praise God. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was over time, more and more people, um, we did get some young people, which was wonderful. But one of the keys was starting connect groups after Alpha. Mm. where people would meet in homes, 20 to 30 people every two weeks in homes, and their kids would be there. And so it normalized just doing life together, not just going right. to church, but doing life together outside of church. And what happened was those young people did take Youth Alpha that we ran as part of our youth experience, mm -hmm. but they all longed to take the adult Alpha. <laughs> wow, wow. So, when they went to university and finally turned 18, they flooded our alpha mm. with university people. And so what went from one table or two people of people below 35 became mm. 60 to 70% of our tables. Mm. Wow. And it was all because they moved up through that experience of church, uh, the culture of alpha and invitation. And now they could bring people in more in a more adult way to this experience. Amazing. It was amazing. It was a cool example of how a church can embody these resources available to have those same kind of experiences you're talking about. Wow. One of those people ended up coming to the Alpha Conference, going on cool. in the UK, going on this leadership for young people. And yep. he went home and started a not-for-profit called um, Greater Love on campus wow. and they just go and they'd make a bunch of sandwiches in the morning they'd all head out and just sit with homeless people and talk to them their their charism wasn't necessarily feeding it was yep. connecting and talking mm. that, was the, that was the conviction that the founder mark saldana had on his heart was amazing well, did they see them do they feel seen do they feel hurt? yes and yes it was just a vehicle for that well not only did it take off in Halifax, then it started to take off over other campuses across Canada. Amazing. To, to your point. Same. So good. Cool. Praise God. That's so that's so encouraging. I think the the piece that stands out to me is just this aspect of like how do we create spaces for people to be seen and heard and loved? And sometimes in our and I think, you know, in this generation, this is a crucial value that can get missed so quickly. You know, we did a, a study on um called Reviving Evangelism in Gen Z, and we researched uh, a few thousand teenagers in Canada. Canada, all different faith walks. Um, and, and the main mode of evangelism for this next generation is relationship. Um, it, it's the main the way that they want to receive it. And the main way that they want to participate it is through relationships. And so, you know, sometimes we have to kind of go at the pace of a relationship. Um, and that's not quick. <laughs> and usually, usually I heard it once said, it's the speed of love. What's the speed of love? Well, it's slow, right? It's slow. And so how do we create spaces that create, you know, allow us to go at that speed? Mm. Well, and I'll tell you, that's a, that's an interesting perspective. And if you think about, you know, I know in our tradition and, and I'm, I'm grateful for it is this real rich tradition of teaching. Mm. And I, I think in the Catholic church, that's, a, that's an area of comfort. It's an area of expertise, but it's not necessarily an area of impact and effectiveness mm. in the majority. It can be in some, but mm. it seems like it doesn't have the same impact. We used to 
really pride ourselves on educating people. And I think we did a good job, but we didn't always educate them into a relationship with Jesus. Mm. We educated them into the teachings of Jesus, mm. teachings of the church, but it doesn't always, it doesn't always create a disciple. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm hearing you say is that in the research that you're doing, that relationship, that showing interest is has a higher value in this generation than just right information. Is that what I mean? exactly a hundred percent, you know, the, our research kind of show that um, this generation uh, immediately when it comes to Christianity, that we're talking non-Christians, they, they immediately have a disposition of uh, hip hypocrisy and judgment. Um, and so when we approach the, these students, they're immediately feeling like, oh, you're a Christian, you're going to judge me. And you're going to be probably a little bit around doing things that you're not talking about or saying, doing the opposite of what you're talking about. And so we need to come close. We need to, we need to create relationship so that they can actually see that that we walk the talk um, because they know that there's stuff that's preached and talked about, but they're hearing Christians that are living counter to those, those messages. And so the, the non-Christian Gen Z are saying, Hey, uh, I need you to show me what it looks like. And I think that that's, that's the tension of our faith, right? Is we've got a lot of beliefs, but it needs to be embodied. Um, and I, this generation is saying, we want to see the embodied, embodied Jesus. And I think, Hey, that sounds like a pretty good thing to desire for us. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mahatma Gandhi said, uh, you know the whole Christian yes. teaching, right? He loved it. He just couldn't love it. Christian, that lived Christian it. that lived it. <laughs> oh, it's so convicting. That category. You, you said something I want to pick up on because I find it interesting. I have a friend of mine that just moved from Alberta, Canada, to Nova Scotia, Canada, and in the Maritimes, we're often known of being a little slower pace, uh, friendlier, perhaps. And I've found friendly people all across Canada, United States, Europe the uk i've i find friendliness everywhere i of course however, however this is a friendly place and it's so funny because it has that reputation my friend is often saying i haven't met a nova scotia everybody's nice in nova scotia you know because it's the honeymoon stage of coming to nova scotia right it's like, of no, course yeah we have just as many <laughs> morons as everybody else but if that's your starting point then it it's kind of roads colored glasses. And the yes. longer you live here, you realize, oh, you know, everybody has bad days. Everybody yes. can be nasty. You know, you're going to get flipped the bird from time to time in traffic, no matter if you live in Nova Scotia or Alberta. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, but it's the same thing with Christians. Like, oh, all mm. Christians are like this. No, they're not. <laughs> mm. No more than all Nova Scotians are uber friendly. Uh, yeah. We yeah. might be slightly friendlier than the most if you could study that i don't know but sure it would only be a percentage and you're going to find all the variations of friendliness within our culture well it's mm. different with christians you know, mm. you're going to find people that you don't want to be anything like them and you're going to find mm -hmm. atheists you think i wish i was as nice as them yeah and so it can be a bit confusing for people when you paint all people who go to church or believe as christians as if they all behave a particular way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm not so sure they that we do yeah yeah and that can be confusing so that's where that i think that relationship is why don't you look at me as a person first yes yeah see me and that's why i love 
you know, just this concept of discipleship that's a lot more shoulder to shoulder than like I'm way ahead here and I, I'm way more arrived. Um, and I, I think this generation, they're they're longing for an authentic uh, approach. And so let's show some of the wounds. Let's show some of the wrestling um, because they see, you know, the cracks of postmodernism and post-Christianity are, are, are showing everywhere. There's not a leader in any sort of uh, section of society that hasn't shown some issues of inauthenticity and character flaws so they smell it everywhere and so when it comes to you know christianity and following jesus i think the sooner we can get out the gate with some authenticity of the wrestle and the challenges they're going to be like okay you know this is a little bit more approachable for us and so helping the next generation see that we can doubt we can wrestle we've got our challenges i think is quite compelling to them i i hope so i think that's really exciting i know Tim, when I was 24, I, I've had several epiphanies in my lifetime, several mm. revelations of God's grace in my life, drawing me deeper into truth, calling me to be the person he was inviting me to be. And particularly one time, and I was in my 20s, and I was really frustrated because I saw on the news um, a person who'd been sexually abused by a clergyman in, in Atlanta, Canada. And to that end, I went and wrote a letter to the bishop. I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I, I was, and at the end of that letter, I was actually crying. I was so moved with anger and indignation. Mm. And I said, mm. dear bishop, if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. And I signed my name. And in that moment, I got a vision of Jesus right in front of me with a crown of thorns all beaten and dirty. And oh. his, his eyes were crystal clear. And he looked right at me without any judgment. And he just said, Ron, what have you ever done to build up my church? Mm. And in that moment, I realized I was a church's biggest critic. I, mm. I, I complained, I condemned, I sat on my seat of self-righteousness and blamed everybody else and all the leaders and everybody else. And I realized I was actually part of the problem because wow. people like me won't get in the game to be a part of the solution then i'm part of the problem and i was absolutely part of the problem i was convicted i just repented that day from a deep deep place and i promised god from now on i'm going to be part of the solution that was 24 years. i love it i love it and so you don't have to be 40 50 30 to yeah to get convicted and committed to jesus and the call he has on your life do you yeah 100 percent. you know jesus jesus loves his church and uh, if we don't love his church, you know, the love of the father is not in us. And, uh, and we need to, it's so convicting, Ron. I, I love that. That's so such a good, good word. Thank you. Thank you. And so can you share an example of, with me of, of maybe a person you've connected with a young person who, who through the ministry of alpha and, and either on campus or with youth has, has just turned, turned them around in a way that's brought hope and life and healing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch that come to mind. Um, the first one that, that I can think of is there's, there's these two young guys from, from Pincher Creek, Alberta, Southern Alberta, you know, small town, Canada, 
And I, I think what I love about it is the context is actually a lot like most of the Church of Canada. You know, most of the churches in Canada are less than 100 people. Um, and we've got a lot of small town, uh, suburban and rural churches around Canada. And, and this is the typical upbringing for most young people. And so these, uh, I think they were 16, 17 in their small town, just decided one day that, hey, we want to try and reach our friends for Christ. And so uh, they decided one day they printed off a whole bunch of alpha cards um, for their high school, small high school, 400 people, handed one to everybody. And lo and behold, a handful of students decided to come to their house one evening for some conversations and probably mainly for the pizza, if we're honest. Uh, but they got there. And uh, after a few weeks, student after student started to get saved. They had Sikh students, they had Muslim students, some new age students, that students of all different grades. But the real exciting piece for me was that if you're familiar with Alpha, there's this thing called the Alpha Weekend, um, where uh, the episodes move to a place where it goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge, where they start to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. And they decided, hey, and this was with no adults, we're going to create a little prayer room in our basement after the episodes on the Holy Spirit. And if you would like prayer, come down into the basement and receive prayer, but no pressure, um, you can stay up here. Well, a handful of students came down and one of the students came down, a grade nine student, asked for some prayer for his knee. A few moments later, they're praying for somebody else. And uh, the student goes, no ways, starts kind of freaking out in the basement. So they turn over to him, they look at him and they're saying, what, what, what happened? And he says, they kind of assume like, did your knee get healed and the student says no no it's not my knee and in that moment moment the student began to roll up his sleeves where before their eyes they started to see his self-harm scars from several years begin to disappear right in front of them jesus healed this young boy's scars and obviously, you know, the work that happened inside of that student's heart was so significant. But what it did for those older students that were running Alpha was a belief in the living God who has come to seek and save the lost. And he wants to do it through them. These young guys now are both youth ministers, running youth ministries of their own, uh, thriving, just doing an incredible job because they've seen, tasted and seen that the Lord is good and he's doing a good work. And so I just, I see these stories all the time, Ron, of young people that see God move through them. And then they're like, okay, I'm in, I, 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 let's go. And they start to really be his hands and feet. And I just think it's so kind of the Lord to, to use these young people to see him move through their lives um and now they're just they're they're all in hook line and sinker it's incredible oh my gosh what a beautiful story i'll tell you signs and wonders do accompany the proclamation of the good news yeah amen good we should expect it and and i just love when god performs miraculous healings it, it, yeah it removes all doubt in a heartbeat and Man. Uh, and, he's, and he chooses to do that. He chooses. Does he yeah. know everybody? No. But boy, when we start praying for healing, we're often surprised at what God can and will and wants to do. Ultimately, we'll all be healed someday. But Amen. Amen. That is so beautiful. Well, listen, as you continue to do your ministry this year through probably uh, lots of others and the connections you have, how can we pray for you this year as, uh, as our listeners uh, kind of 
tuning in to you and getting to know folks uh, in Canada. How can how can they pray for you? Uh, I appreciate that, Ron. You know, I think the my prayer is that as the world is kind of opening up, whatever that means, there's attention to kind of go back to striving, to go back to just going for it. And I want to I want to be somebody that is synced up with what the Spirit is doing in His church, um, and in 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 His country. And I want to be somebody that doesn't just strive on my own energy and my own works. And so my prayer every day is is Holy Spirit, show me where your business is, show me where you're already at work, and I want to tap into that. Um, and then I think, um, would you join me in praying for this next generation? pray that they would capture a vision of the king capture jesus as the center of their attention um the one who really wants to work through them um in the amazing work that they want to do those are my two prayers for this fall oh, those are beautiful and we're going to join you in those prayers i'm so excited about and i seen i've seen my kids run alpha during covid with me i just challenged them to invite some friends to run their own small group as we gathered online and they did and and even online people came to jesus mm. came to faith so good and followed up with great conversations and invitations to come to church and and so on and so there what i saw in them and the people that they brought to the alpha was not as much baggage as my generation mm. my generation walked away from the church and complained and criticized and were hurt and all kinds of things happen hmm. and, and not all the church's fault either but it culture shifted and sure this, this their generation they don't have baggage they don't even know who jesus is like they totally have they don't have any problems with the church they've never gone to one yeah and so it's like wow do you mean there's people out there like that no <laughs> Almost everybody out there is like that. And, and my generation has a hard time. We're still thinking, how do we go get those Catholics that have fallen away? It's like, totally. My God. It's a difference. If it's a different starting point, different starting point, it's a different yeah. starting point. And, and oftentimes we'd often say that, you know, so many Catholics have been inoculated with the good mm. news. They have just enough of the Catholic church to know they're not interested. And mm. to get them back is hard sometimes. And it's not that mm. we don't try, but I love your prayer. Like, Lord, show me your business. Where are you at work? Mm. That's the work I want to do. So let me yeah. take my agenda, put that aside and say, who are you putting in my life? Mm -hmm. What are you calling me to that you'll give me the passion to sacrifice for? Give me the courage to do that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Tim, thank you for what you do. Uh, thank you for your work with Shayla and the team. I just love you guys. I appreciate what you do. I, I'm so grateful for the, the generosity between so many different traditions and denominations. You just want to mobilize mm. the broader church. Yeah. Hopefully that includes us as Catholics. And we just love 100%. 100%. Cheering you so God thank you so much. Such a pleasure, Ron. Bless you. God bless you. Encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember if you're still breathing, you are.